Good morning. <laughs> Hallelujah. This is a little loud, but anyway. Tommy, I just want to commend you, my friend. It is never easy to stand up here and shepherd the presence of God. You did a great job. not an easy thing, trust me. I haven't been there many times myself. And the problem is the only way you learn is when it happens. <laughs> There's no manual written for it. Because it's so fluid, if you understand what I'm saying. Well, good morning to those that are online. It's a wonderful privilege that I have of uh, bringing the word today. I just felt like I had a word for someone before we actually get into the Word, and it's in Psalms, and if I can quickly turn to Psalms, it's somewhere in my Bible. Psalm, I think it's 27. Sorry, I should have been a little bit more prepared. I just believe that this Word is for someone here, and as I speak it, you will know if it's you. And this is it. I'm still confident of this that I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. I feel there's one or two people here that have been asking God about if they will see something while they're still alive. It might even have to do with a relative or a son or a daughter or whatever. And I feel like God wants me to say, I'm still confident of this that I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Not one day in eternity, yeah, while we live. Amen. And as I read it, I see I made a little note here. 23rd of March, 1997, 2.30 in the morning. Something God spoke to me about then. I said written, yeah, goodness gracious, okay. Yeah, so it's good. God will... Wonderful. Well, Clayton started last week on a series called Possess the Land, and I was going to continue with that. I want to take a few minutes and say something about it, but I felt like I needed to go back to two Sundays ago when we really had the manifest presence of God amongst us. And so I feel like I need to speak into that a little bit because I feel like we mustn't lose what God did there. So God can only increase what he did there, if you understand what I'm saying. So, but I first want to say a little few things about possessing the land, because it's incredible truths we have in the Bible. So the scripture will come up in 1 Corinthians 10. In verse 11 it says this, These things happened to them, that's the Israelites, as examples, and were written down as warnings for us on whom the fulfillment of the ages has come. So Paul is saying that these things that happened to the Israelites that we can read about, and that word warnings literally means a word of encouragement or reproof, which leads to correct way of living. It's an appeal to the conscience and the will and the reason of man. And so Paul is saying that if we go back and read about the Israelites and their journey and their, their freedom out of captivity, we can learn a lot through them. God will speak to us about it. And so there's much we can learn. There's a lot we can learn. And so I want to give you two minutes understanding, because when you read the book of Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, I want to give you a little bit of the flow of that. So when you go and read it at home, you have some understanding, if you understand what I'm saying. Because there's much that we can learn as people came out of Egypt and what that means and the journey through the wilderness and what that means and how to take the possession of the land, which for us is taking possessions of the promises that God has given us. Hello? You, you all with me? Oh, okay, you're just very quiet. Okay. And so there's seven books written on it. There's often referred to in Psalms about this journey. And there's numerous references in the New Testament back to the journey of the Israelites. Exodus records the events leading to the Exodus, and then one year after Exodus. So a scripture will come up, Exodus 12, 2 says this, This month is to be for you the first month, the first month of your year. 
And Exodus 40, right at the end of Exodus, it says this, verse 17. So the tabernacle was set up on the first day of the first month in the second year. So we can see that during one year, the Israelites crossed the Red Sea. They came out of Egypt. And Moses recorded a song in Exodus 15. Exodus 16, God feeds the Israelites through manna in the wilderness. Then they moved into the wilderness of sin. God performed a miracle through Moses to provide water for them. And then many events occurred during that year, including God giving Moses the law. Directions were received to the building of the tabernacle, completing the tabernacle. And all this took place one year after they came out of Egypt. And that's what the book of Exodus is about. So it gives you some understanding. The events recorded in Numbers start one month later. So Numbers 1.1 says this, The Lord spoke to Moses in the tent of meetings in the desert of Sinai on the first day of the second month of the second year after the Israelites came out of Egypt. So now we have a context. And then the book of Deuteronomy picks up the history of the Israelites in the 40th year from the time of the Exodus. Because Deuteronomy 1.3 says this, In the 40th year, on the first day of the 11th month, Moses proclaimed to the Israelites all that the Lord had commanded him concerning them. So Exodus records the first year after the Exodus. Numbers records the years of wanderings in wilderness. And Deuteronomy records the last year. And the book of Leviticus gives us the sacrificial laws. So when you go home and read it, you have some understanding of what's going on just helps. It gives a context so we can learn from it. Amen. And then when I preach again, I want to talk on the necessity of the wilderness in our lives. The necessity of the wilderness in our lives. It's very necessary. Amen. But now I want you to jump to the New Testament. John chapter 6, please. John chapter 6. John chapter 6. This miracle is the only miracle recorded in all four Gospels. The one I'm about to read, John chapter 6. So let's read it. Sometime after this, Jesus crossed, the far, crossed to the far shore of the Sea of Galilee, that is the Sea of Tiberias, and a great crowd of people followed him because they saw the miraculous signs he had performed on the sick. If you go back and read it in the other Gospels, you'll see he had just healed a number of people. So now they were busy following him. Then Jesus went up a mountain, sat down with the disciples, and the Jewish Passover feast was near. When Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming, great crowd coming towards him, he said to Philip, Where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? He asked this only to test him, for he already had in mind what he was about to do. And the other, uh, the other Gospels, it says, Jesus said to them, you give them something to eat. Isn't that interesting? Yet he already knew what he was going to do, but he says, you give them something to eat. Why? God is always encouraging us to step out to partner with him. To think not from a natural point of view, but from a supernatural point of view to the possibilities that God can do something that the natural cannot happen in the natural. So he's always encouraging us to partner in that with him. That's what he was trying to teach these disciples. Okay? Carry on. Philip answered him, eight months' wages would not buy enough bread for each one to have a bite. So Philip, I don't know if he was the accountant or what, he quickly calculated this out. This is going to cost about eight months. And if we get eight months' wages and buy food for them, each one will just have a little bite. Just a little bite. Nothing extravagant about it. Another of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. Here is a boy with five barley loaves and two small fish. But how far will they go among so many? Jesus said, have the people sit down. The other Gospels, he ordered them to sit down, and then he told them to divide into groups of 50 and 100. 
Why do I say that? It's because when God's going to do something supernatural, it's not in disorder. There's always order to it. But it's God's order. And so sometimes we need to put things in place. It's not going to stop God doing something. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's very key. It's very key to understand that. And yet what happened two Sundays ago, you would think this was very disorder, but there was order to it. But it was God's order. There were men, sorry, there was plenty of grass in that place, and the men sat down, about 5,000 of them. Jesus took the loaves, he gave thanks. Now it's interesting that he gave thanks, obviously for the loaves, but he also gave thanks for what was about to happen. George Muller, I don't know if any of you read about George Muller. He was this man that lived in the late 1800s that had an um, orphanage for these boys. And he prayed every cent in to feed these boys and for the housing. And he felt God was going to give them some money to build a place for these boys, these orphans. And a little boy one day was running around the playground and he found a penny, a very poor time. And he picked a penny up and he gave it to Mr. Muller. And he said, Mr. Muller, this is for the house. This is to come, one little penny. And as Muller took it, George Muller took it, he felt God inside him say, thank me already for what's going to come even before it comes. That's where God wants to get us, where we begin to thank him for what's going to happen before it even happens. Then you don't pray about it anymore. It's done. It's done. Hallelujah. Amen. So he gave thanks. He distributed to those who were seated as much as they wanted. Not like Philip, who just wanted to give them one bite. As much as they wanted, generously. He did the same with the fish. Many years ago, Michelle and I, with, when Clayton was still small and Chantel was still small, we used to reach out to a community down the road from us that was less fortunate than we were, quite a poor community. Uh, it was called Morning Star, and uh, we would go there every Friday afternoon, and this one particular Friday afternoon, we decided to feed them. And so we had made sandwiches, and uh, we had some candy and fruit, thank you. All right, I forget the details. Uh, and we had made these packages, but we had only made a certain amount of sandwiches, and then somebody, as we were leaving, brought more fruit and candy. So we knew we had more fruit and candy than the sandwiches. But when we got there, we realized there were more people than what we had. But at the end, everybody got. Every single person got a package of a sandwich, fruit and candy. But that's not how much we had. God performed a miracle there in front of our eyes. Just like you did, yeah. Because we had finished, there were a lot more people than we had brought. And we went home and think, what happened, yeah? Amazing, eh? Yeah. Give thanks, distributed those who were seated as much as they wanted. He did the same with the fish. When they had all had enough to eat, he said to the disciples, gather the pieces that are left over and when I read this, this is why I'm preaching what I'm going to preach on. Let nothing be wasted. The other translation said, let nothing be lost. And as I read that this week, I felt God say to me, what I did two Sundays ago, let nothing be lost. Let nothing be lost. And so I want to talk a little bit into that. And so they gathered them and filled the 12 baskets with the pieces of five barley, barley loaves left over by those who had eaten. After the people saw the miraculous sign that Jesus did, they began to shout, say, Surely this is the prophet who is to come into the world. Jesus, knowing that they intended to come and make him king by force, withdrew again to a mountain by himself. Never let people put pressure on you to do something. Never let people exalt you to a position that God hasn't put you in. Amen. So, I want to talk into it. First of all, I want to say that everything that happened that Sunday was not planned. It wasn't pre-planned. Clayton had phoned myself and Josh in the week and said, listen, I'd love you to give some feedback. 
and let's see what happens. That's what he said. So we said, okay. So Josh and I chatted a little bit, and he said he would share, I'd share a little bit. But I want you to notice that what happened came under the authority of the leaders in the church. We just didn't come and do our own thing. They released us to do what we did. did. That's why I even joked in the service about Clayton's not going to preach today. Because when I got up here and started to share, I realized something's about to happen. I didn't know what. So I turned to Clayton and said, jokingly, you ain't preaching today. But I was joking. But in a sense, just and he understood that. But God will always do something as you work with authority and under authority. Because that's the way he works. Amen. Yeah. And they will open the door for what needs to come. They have to open the door for what needs to come. Otherwise, people will just do their own thing and then chaos begins to reign. So let me just say that. So we're going to do a, put something up on the back. Before you put something on the back, we're going to put some reasons why God might manifest his presence. Do you know what I mean by manifest his presence? Are you the lady that was sitting in the front row that I prayed for the other day? I can't remember. Yes, no, it wasn't you. Sorry, I see so many people I can't remember. Sorry. I keep looking at you. Uh, oh, was it you? Oh, there you are. Hi, it's good to see you again. Sorry, I just called you out. I didn't even know who you were. So, But welcome back. Okay, couldn't have been that bad then. <laughs> welcome back. So, um, just to tell you a little story before they put that up, we're going to look at some reasons why God might manifest His presence. His presence is always with us, but at times He manifests. It's like we become aware of it. It's like the wind. All of a sudden we become aware of the wind's always there, but when we become aware of it, because we see the trees moving, you understand? So there's times He manifests His presence. He makes His presence very known. And He wants us to cultivate that lifestyle so we can live in it every day. And so he's teaching us and training us to recognize his presence, to recognize even when you drive in your car or you're going to the shop or you're in Walmart or wherever you are, to begin to recognize his presence that's with you. That's what he's after. Because then we're with him. We walk with him. He walks with us. Then, how do I say this? then the sky's the limit. That's even bad, because there's no limit on God. There's no limit of what can happen then. Hello? Amen. No matter where you are, yes. I'll tell you a little story. We were in a church many years ago, and the presence of God came into the church. It was an evening service back down in Cape Town. And we lived next to the church, and we had some animals, which many of you won't be surprised about. And we had a cat. And this cat had snuck into the church. And as the presence of the Lord came, the cat jumped up. There were still pews. And it walked along the back of the pew. And there were some people sitting there. And this cat brushed along some people. And this person said, wow, God is really here. But it was just a cat <laughs> brushing, <laughs> brushing up on the back of them. <laughs> it was quite funny, actually. Anyway, I'll just say that. All right, let's go through this list. Right. Number one, why are some reasons why God might manifest his presence? To demonstrate his power through signs and wonders. Signs are given to point beyond themselves to God. Wonders cause intrigue concerning the mystery of God's ways. God wants our faith to rest upon him and not the wisdom of man. And there's a scripture where Paul said, when I came to preach to you, I didn't come with eloquence and persuasive speech. I came with the presence of God, the power of God to demonstrate. And so that's one of the reasons why God will do. So we begin to, something shifts in us. All of a sudden, there's an awareness, and we become hungry for the things of God. How many of you, after you left that Sunday, you just wanted more? That's what happens. That's a wonderful thing. You just want more. You don't even know what you want more of. Want more of him, but you don't know what it looks like yet. Next one is to deepen experiential intimacy with God. As to deepen experiential intimacy with God. There's a scripture up there, John 3.11. It says this, I tell you the truth. We speak of what we know and we testify to what we have seen. That word know, 
where Jesus said we speak of what we know is a word called O-I-A-D. I don't know how to pronounce it. It means knowledge through experience. That's what it means. So Jesus is saying, I speak of what I know because of my knowledge through experience. And I testify to that. Because I've experienced something. It's impacted me. It's not just I heard it. I experienced it. So Jesus speaks of what he knows. His speaking flows out of his experience with the Father. And that's what Jesus wants us to speak out of our experience with him. It flows out of that. You with me? That's why you can only give what you've received. So in Acts 4.20, God said to the people that were put away in prison and got released, then Peter said, we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. Peter said, I can't help it. What I've seen and heard, what's impacted me, it's knowledge through experience. I can't help but speak about that. You see, people can convince you out of something if you've never experienced it. But once you've experienced it, nobody can take it away from you. Nobody. That's why your testimony is so powerful. Acts 26, 16, this is what the Lord said to Paul, the apostle. Now get up and stand on your feet. Why did he have to get up? Because he was on the flat on the ground. Because the presence of the Lord put him there. Knocked him off his horse flat on there. That's a high place to fall from, off your horse onto the ground. It's interesting, the Lord didn't come and say, how are you doing, Paul? He just says, stand up, I want to speak to you. <laughs> interesting. Some people lay flat on the ground last time. Because that's what happens. The body can't take the presence of the Lord. So it gets weak at the knees buckle. Because it can't, just can't. And so it said, now get up and stand up on your feet. I have appeared to you to appoint you as a servant and as a witness of what you have seen of me and what I will show you. So there's more to come. John 1, 1. Verse 3 says this, We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard so that you may have fellowship with us. So it takes you to a deeper experience with him through actually experiencing something of his presence. Next one. It's to impart grace and power to overcome inner bondages of fear, of lust, of greed, of envy, of deceit, of brokenness, rejection, addiction, whatever it is. Things we've struggled with. And so the Lord comes to break some of that. He comes, if I can find uh, somewhere in here, behind me. Thank you. Sorry, I don't know why, but when I speak, my nose starts to run. Maybe it's the Lord saying, be quiet. I don't know. (laughs) So it's to impart grace and power to overcome these inner bondages that we brought with us from our old life When we got saved, we have to understand this. Your soul didn't get saved. So some of the stuff you struggled with came with you into this new life. Hello? You're a new creation. You're born again. You're a child of God. The old has gone. The new has come. But my soul, some of the struggles, the fear that I might have had before I got saved, comes with me. Whoops. And now there's a dichotomy in me because I'm being told that's how you shouldn't live as a Christian, but it's real inside you. And then people pretend instead of just being real. That's when religion comes in, unfortunately. Unfortunately. And God knows that. And he's going to deal with it. He will, because he promised to. And so... That's what it begins to do. Next one, to impart love, peace, joy, and the fear of the Lord. It's to restore hope. It's filling us with joy. One of the ladies started to laugh as the Lord touched her. It was wonderful. I spoke to her in the week about what happened, and she told me events leading up to it. And as the Lord touched her, those events came flooded into her mind, and so she started to laugh. 
It's like the Lord was speaking to her about it. And she said, oh my, okay, now I understand. It's always a context. To bring about healings, physical, emotional, mental, spiritual, and relational. You have to understand God sees us as a whole person. And he wants to come and heal all of us. Even heal our relationships that have been damaged and broken. To bond with other believers, relational barriers fall when people experience the presence of God together. How many experienced that? You saw somebody got touched in somebody and it impacted you. Because you can identify with it. You know a little bit about their life. You see them brought to tears. You maybe feel some of the pain they've been through. And it impacts you. Amen. It's like he bonds us together. It's wonderful. It's wonderful to see when God does that. It's to impart anointings for service. For God to equip people for what's coming down the line. To release God's word, his prophetic or rhema word into your life. In other words, what I mean by that is the now word. What he wants to speak to you now. What he's saying to you now. Because that's going to carry you forward into the future. And he wants to part that to us. To release God's, uh, to inspire intercession where something will, all of a sudden you want to go home and pray about some stuff or some stuff will come up in your heart. To enlarge and liberate spiritual capacities. He wants to expand us, expand us, expand us, expand us. And for people to receive their callings. Now this is not the only list, but this is something of what, what happens when God begins to manifest his presence on people. How many experienced something of this two Sundays ago? All right, look at that. That's amazing. It's wonderful when that happens. It really is. Eh? So what should you do? First one, give him thanks. Give him thanks. Thank him. Thank him. Thank him. Thank him. Gratitude will continually keep our hearts open for what he wants to continue to do. It's an incredible gateway, gratitude. Next one, write it down. Write it down. Write down what happened because you will forget it in a year's time. You will forget it in six months' time. And that needs to be a memorial for you. It's like the Israelites when they took the stones out, remember, and they panked them on the bank and they they asked, Lord, why must we do that? And the Lord said, because in the future, your kids will ask you, what is that about? And it will remind you, oh, look what God did there. Lots of stories to tell people. Look what God. So you have stories to begin to tell your people and your wife or your husband or your kids or whatever. And so write it down. It's a memorial. It's a memorial. Some of it's a token in your life. What I mean by that, God did something. He put something in you, now you'll never settle for second best. You'll want more of that. And so it creates a hunger in you. It's what I give you. He's given you a token, and then it's like he doesn't withdraw, but it's like you don't experience for a while, and then he sees how we respond to what he's given us already. The hunger it will create in us, the thirst, the ability to Go after it, in a sense, afresh and anew. You with me? And it creates, it begins to open my heart up for what's coming. For what's coming, for what's coming, for what's coming. And so write it down. I encourage you, write it down. If you went away from that Sunday feeling very tired, or a little vulnerable, or emotional, hallelujah. It's a good thing. It's not a bad thing. It's not a bad thing at all, but just understand it. Just be gracious to yourself. Be gracious to your partner or gracious to your friend or whatever the case is. If, if the next week or two is a little emotional because things got stirred and that's what began to happen. All right. Then I encourage you, get into the Word. Take time and get into the Word. Why? Because God has opened something up inside of you and I and now He wants to put something in you and I as well as taking stuff out of us. And our life needs to be lived from the Word. My life needs to be built through the Word. I cannot live my life on the giftings or the anointings. I've got to live my life from the Word of God. You with me? Otherwise, it becomes very shaky. 
then it's all about experiences. I'll just live with experiences. No, no, no. I've got to live with the word in me. This is, I keep, sorry, I keep repeating some things again and again. This has to go yum, 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 yum. It just has to. However the yum, yum, yum goes, let it go in. If you because when this gets inside of me, and then you experience what you experienced two Sundays ago, because there's more coming, trust me. There is. There is. What could have happened this morning after the worship? And so God teaches us that. And then when that happens again, you've now built a foundation which is a lot more firmer. And so when it happens, there's a lot more that begins to take place because there's a security inside you. Hello. Amen. So I encourage you, however it, whatever it takes to get this inside, get it inside. If you need to put ketchup on it, or if you need to put this sauce on it, or whatever. Like some food, you've got to put something on it to get it inside of you. You know, like those medicines that don't taste nice. Whatever it takes, whatever help you can get, whatever books you feel you can read that will point you towards the Word and to get the Word in you. Because this will never pass away. So can you put up the other slide quickly and we'll come back to some of this. This is what happens. All right, wait for it to come up. By faith, it's coming up. <laughs> new truth, new truth. It's not new in a sense that it's new. It's new to us. It's always been there. You with me? When it comes, we either accept it or reject it. We have that choice. I'm either going to accept this, even though I don't understand it, or reject it. When we accept it, we begin to embrace it. That's what begins to happen. We begin to think about it, embrace it. We begin to talk about it. Then as we embrace it, we begin to appropriate it. In other words, it begins to have a little bit of impact in my life. That's what begins. I begin to sometimes make decisions from that place, not from my circumstances. And I learn to proclaim it. I learn to declare it. I tell my wife about it. She tells me about it. This scripture out of John 6 about where it said, don't lose, don't pick up all the, the, the crumbs or all the, the leftovers. That was a revelation that God gave her. And when she came and told me, it struck me. And she said to me, why do you think God told the disciples to pick up all the little fish that were still lying on the ground, the pieces and the bread? And I said, you know, I've never thought of that. And she said to me, because the presence of God was on it. And he doesn't want that to go to waste. And so I don't want to waste or lose what his presence is bringing to us. Hello? It was a revelation to her, not to me, but it impacted me. And so that's where we begin to proclaim it. Then we begin to apply it but I'll know it's really in my life when pressure comes. And then that truth, when I stand under pressure, then that truth is rooted in me. And for us to grow and flourish, something has to be rooted. Nothing can grow unless it's rooted. That's when it's rooted in me. Because I'm not buckling under the pressure. And so when you buckle under pressure, don't be hard on yourself. Don't criticize yourself. No, God is still busy at work getting it rooted in you. So when the pressure comes to do something and you know I shouldn't be doing that or whatever the case is, maybe even something not negative, maybe just something that other people are involved in, and you say, I just don't have time for that. When that pressure comes and you just stand, then you must know it's rooted in you. Then this has gone, yum, 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 yum. Now it's in you. Now this shapes my decisions. Now this shapes my life. So when Michelle and I move, we always do it. What will facilitate the kingdom in our moving? Not will help us. What will facilitate the kingdom coming in our lives? Not what's convenient for us. Every time we moved, we made that decision from that place.
but it took a while to get there. It didn't happen overnight. Do you understand what I'm saying? And as I do that, I'm continually positioning myself for God to continually invade my life through his manifest presence. And so God wants it rooted in us, absolutely rooted in us. So write it down, uh, get the word in you, let it be established in you, speak it to people, and just be open to what he wants to do into the future. Because we desperately need his manifest presence. And I'm convinced it's going to happen more and more and more and more. Not only here on a Sunday, in your homes, in your motor vehicle, at the place of work, where you're going to be standing there, then you recognize his manifest presence. You become aware of it. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Then excuse yourself and go to the bathroom. Because he wants to do something or say something or reveal something or root something or take something out or whatever. Amen. God is good, eh? Yeah. I love that story about the healing this morning, about the vertebra. God is good. That gentleman with the green shirt, do I know you, sir? I have... Yeah, you, yes, sir. Don't, I think I've seen you before. Were you in ministry before? Oh, okay. Oh, okay. You've been around. Okay, that's good enough. Okay. All right. Okay. Yeah, I just feel like just the favor of God on your life for the coming season. Just for the coming season. Just the favor of God upon your life. Yeah, hallelujah, it's wonderful. Yeah, and obviously that's your precious wife next to you. Amen to that. Amen to that. <laughs> yeah, you see, he can see, he's learned from experience. Amen to that, <laughs> three years. <laughs> Amen, God is good, is it not? Eh? All right, I'm just trying to use the Sunday to help, to equip. I'm learning myself. How many of you just become aware the atmosphere changed? Yeah. Yeah. That's what he wants to teach us. The atmosphere just shifted as I was speaking to that gentleman. Yeah. Father, I thank you. I thank you. Thank you. Sir, the Lord's promises to you are still yes and amen, whatever they are. This gentleman with uh, right behind Marie. Yes, you, yeah. Sorry, I forget people's names. You've got to forgive me. I even forget my wife's name sometimes. <laughs> I used to say, that woman over there, which I've been married to for 43 years, but anyway, <laughs> I just get focused. Um, I feel like the Lord would say, son, my promises to you are still yes and amen. Yes and amen. Sometimes you've wondered if because of what's gone down or what's happened or what's shifted, that maybe, and I felt like God said, no, they're still yes and amen to you, my son. They're still yes and amen to you. I actually see you touching a number of lives, number of lives. Yeah, so I want to encourage you in that. I don't know if that means anything to you. Yeah. I stand here, I can see some of you, the hunger in your eyes, which is wonderful. But I don't want to do what God doesn't want to do. I don't want to manufacture it. Because you'll taste it. It doesn't taste nice. It's like eating the steak and it's off. <laughs> <laughs> okay, because flesh is getting in the way. But I find the more you can relax, the more God works. And God always works, I find, in an atmosphere of safety, joy, 
where there's a sense of togetherness. It's very difficult for the presence of God to work in a critical atmosphere. Yeah, somebody said he's never seen God use a critical person. So I encourage you. Just even watch the way you speak. Because the way we speak either invites God's presence or pushes his presence away. It's very key. That's what happened to the Israelites when they gave the bad report. And they had an impact. Those 12 spies said the same thing. But they said it with different hearts. Ten said, it's a great land, but there are giants in that land. We're like grasshoppers. The two said, there are giants in the land, but God has given us this great land. And so whatever comes after the but is what we live in. So, how are you doing? I'm struggling, but God is good. So we don't deny reality. But God is good. God has never left me. God has never forsaken me. God is good. Amen. All right. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. How many of you... Two Sundays ago, it was the first time you had experienced something of that nature. Just be honest. Oh, bless you, man. That's the lady I prayed for. You put your hand up. Wonderful. Wonderful. It's like an invitation went out to you. It's like God gave me an invitation and said, My son and daughter, welcome to what's coming down your life. It's an imitation. And sometimes our mind doesn't understand it, but it's inside we feel, this is good, this is good. All right, I don't want to prolong it. If you just want to stand, if that's okay. Okay, if you can just get that song ready, and we're going to end with that. Father, I just want to thank you. Thank you for the hunger you've put within us. For the desire you've put within us. For the thirst for more of you. Captivate our hearts, Lord. Invade our lives. Teach us, teach us to become very attuned to your presence. Teach us. Show me your ways, Lord. Show me your ways. Israel knew God's deeds. Moses knew his ways. Lord, we want to know your ways. The way you do things, which is different every time. Thank you. Now, I don't want to prolong this. But I'm just trying to help. If you become aware of him, I'm not going to call you out. I just want you to raise your hand. And all you're doing is say, Lord, I just acknowledge you. I acknowledge you, Lord. That's it. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Just increase this in our lives. Increase this, Lord. Thank you. Just blow across this auditorium, Lord. Blow across this auditorium. Thank you. Thank you. It's good.
going to end with a song, just where you are. Thank you, Father.
That's right, hallelujah. Some people are going to be changed by this song. You may know who you are, you may not know who you are. But some people will be changed by his words and by that song. Go home and put that song on repeat and just let it, let it sink in. Just let it soak. We will have a trained ministry team over here to pray with you for anything and everything. We're very happy you are with us today. Be blessed. Have a great afternoon. Good morning, Free Life Church. We are glad you've joined us today. If you are visiting in person, please stop by the Connection Corner in the lobby to receive your welcome bag and learn more about Free Life Church. A member from our Connection team will be there to answer any questions you have. We look forward to meeting you. We are thrilled to welcome Pastor Iman and his wife, Mary, founders of Hope Community Center, on August 21st for a seminar on ministering to Muslims and to learn more about what the Lord is doing in the Muslim community. Please register online. Lunch and childcare are provided. Free Life Men, get ready for an evening of food, fellowship, and worship this Friday at the home of Devin and Sarah Vale here in Leesburg. The evening will kick off with a barbecue dinner followed by a bonfire for some fellowship and acoustic worship. Are you interested in knowing more about Free Life Church? Sign up for our discovery class coming up next month where you'll learn more about us, our purpose, and find ways to connect, whether it's for a season or a lifetime. If you are new to FLC, Discovery is for you. Registration is now open. If you would like to be baptized in water, please sign up for our next baptisms happening on September 12th at 2 p.m. after church at the home of Josh and Rachel Deneen. Our next encounter night is on Saturday, September 11th from 6.30 p.m. to 9 p.m. This evening is dedicated to going deeper into praise, prayer, and prophecy. Free Life Church has an app. Keep up with the latest sermons and events, find ways to connect, and have an easy way to give. Available for Android or Apple devices at the respective app stores, or text FLC app to 41400 for a link to download. For more information about all of our upcoming events, please see the events page on our website. Thanks for tuning in.